0: Welcome
1: to the Fennel
0: Shooting Podcast, fueled by Fioki, the industry standard that champions trust. If you're a clay target shooter, then we have something for you. Speaking with some of the best in the industry about the game you're passionate about. Follow us at The Clay Lab on YouTube and Spotify. The Fennel Podcast is
1: also brought to you by The Clay Lab, Ranger, Krieghoff Off International, Briley Manufacturing, Long Range, Rain Air Shotgun Sports, Mech
0: Outdoors, Greenwood Custom Stocks, Electronic Shooters Protection, and Westside Sporting Grounds.
1: Here's your host, Will Fennel of the Fennel Shooting School. I got my good buddy Anthony Mattarese on. Uh, Anthony's probably one of my longest-term friends in this game. We both started uh, about the same time, even though he's a bit younger than me. And uh, you ready to go, Anthony? Yes, sir.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, man. So, got your uh, newsletter. Uh, If y'all haven't signed up for Anthony's newsletter, you really need to. There's always lots of info packed in it. Uh, You got a lot going on, man. Books and videos and interviewing digweed world championships tell me about it
0: yeah so uh i'm always pretty busy but uh just kind of if i summarize my newsletter from the top to the bottom uh we had a, our fourth kid last year i have four four kids now my first boy i think we're done with that um <laughs> keeps me busy right there uh I had a reasonable year shooting i shot shot well didn't sh- perform as well as i wanted to when it counted the most. Uh Consistently felt like I shot great and missed a few targets uh, throughout the season that you know kept, kept me from being on the podium or winning some things. Um, still had some decent performances. Uh, last year I did uh, some filming with George Digweed. We released the table just recently, and then uh, for free. And if you haven't watched that, it's worth. By the way,
1: that that is worth the time to sit and listen to. Yeah, so it, we, it was
0: really good. We had the opportunity to film that while we had all the highest quality cameras, et cetera, that we were using for some videos that he's got some individual videos that he's made. And then we made a video together. So I had that going on and I helped through the editing processes with that stuff. I'm writing another book, uh, for hunters. Um, I released my book a couple of years ago. It was pretty successful at releasing a book uh, called Straight Shooting for Hunters with Will Primo, um, who's been in the outdoor space for a long time. And he actually read my book and asked me to do a book with him. So that was kind of a. Uh, That's awesome. That was kind of an honor to do that. Um, launched a new website with my partner, Chris Claxon, to. Uh, host all these videos that were instructional videos and stuff that we're doing, which the the website has, a, we've put a blog on there with a lot of articles and there'll be more articles coming. So it'll be interactive. You know, people can go look and read some good articles on shooting. So that's a good place to go and uh, draw some people to our website and see what we have. But there's some good articles there. Um, very busy with my shooting school added a couple uh, associate instructors working with me to help out on uh you know, with some of the new people coming in the game that can't necessarily get in with me. So a lot going on, but, uh, all good. Looking forward to the 2024 shooting season and, uh,
1: glad to be on here with you today. Well, yeah, man. Yeah. You stay busy. That's one thing about matter. It says no, there's no dust settling under your feet. You're, you're constantly on the move. That's for sure. You just got back from fishing in Costa Rica. Yeah, we did.
0: Me, and my dad, uh, my mom, my wife, and a friend of ours who fishes all the big fishing tournaments with us. Um, we went down and fished, went in Los Suenos on the Pacific side in Costa Rica. We fished three days, hung out a couple days, fished with a friend of ours, uh, uh, on their boat, the Bill Fisher, uh, it's a Duffy boat works, uh, they're a new builder, but they've been in the family's been in fishing for a long, long time. And, uh, we fished three days. We had some really good sail fishing. We had 20, 30 sail sail bites a day wow and uh catch a few mahis and uh one of the guys that fit the guy that fished with us came down he fishes all the big tournaments with us but he's kind of a little bit of a novice in regards to uh you know hook and fish himself and you know learning how to to handle that it's definitely a feel to it similar to shooting really uh how to have confidence to hook a fish with you know feeding him a bait and so one of the reasons we wanted to get him down there was to get him some experience
1: and practice practice in a short amount of time yeah
0: yeah we had we had a really good time and uh if you're ever looking for a place to go on vacation that's a place i would definitely recommend
1: cool cool so um kind of some of the meat and potatoes of uh the podcast we were going to talk about you you brought up a great idea which was kind of us talking about how we started. In the game, as far as shooting technique goes, we both got instruction early on from Dan Carlisle, was our mentor in those days, and um, and how that's evolved over the right at thirty years we've been doing this, and how the game evolving has kept us evolving and and uh, working together on all this. So, your thoughts?
0: Yeah. So I guess the uh, I started with had my first lesson with Dan in nineteen ninety six. Uh, so we were just talking about it before we got started. So, you know, almost 30 years ago, 28, I guess, 28 years, 27, 28 years ago. And, um, you know, from 1996, you know, I just started 97, had some more lessons with Dan and then 1998, he moved to a range uh, in Pennsylvania as the ma- general manager slash general manager slash uh, shooting pro. And then I had... Lessons regular probably twice a month for a couple of years until he moved back to Texas.
1: I came, I came up there and went at that place a couple of times. What was the name of that club?
0: Uh, the club was originally called Twin S and then changed names to Water and Wings. And uh, eventually, at the very end, before Dan moved to Texas, he was at Lehigh Valley Sporting Clays for a little bit. But anyway, that was an hour and a half from my house. I would go up there and shoot with him probably twice a month for a couple of years.
1: Yeah, so probably, you had a, you had a lot of time with him.
0: Yeah, so I probably had. Twenty-five lessons a year for for two or three years, okay? yeah, something like that. That's a, that's um, a lot
1: of shotgun shells for Dan Carlisle.
0: Yep. <laughs> um, he, when he moved to Texas, I would I want to say I was about fifteen or sixteen when he probably sixteen when I moved to Texas when he moved to Texas, and uh, from then I pretty much uh, had the fundamentals that he taught me and took it from there on my own. Yep. And, and uh, I maybe saw him once or twice in the next twenty years, you know. Um yeah. but
1: uh same or kind called, of called same kind of
0: phone and asked him a question here and there. But pretty much the fundamentals that he taught me, I I kind of ran with from there and did the best that I could with, with what I knew. And uh you know, I've I felt like, you know, over the years what I realized is I'd never really deviated drastically from the fundamentals, you know, certain things Dan taught me. Kill the bird where you see it the best. Keep your eye on the target. Uh, be in sync with the target. Be in control with the target. Match the target's speed. Those fundamentals hold very true to uh, to everything I believe today. You know the. I think the where I've made changes over the years is basically figuring out what works better in certain instances, right? You know, so like when I was a kid. Dan was not big on stance and mount and, you know, this is how you're supposed to mount the gun. This is how you're supposed to stand, et cetera. And that's no criticism to him. That's just where we were in the game and what Absolutely. he, what he Absolutely. was teaching, you know, 30, almost 30 years ago. So there's things there that I definitely evolved on my own and learned more and really watch people. Right. You know, so uh, I never won the world feet test as a junior and there's no question that it's because I didn't know certain things and I was doing certain things incorrectly uh, based upon what I had learned. Again, you know that's not a criticism, Dan. That's just the facts. Okay, you know I had won the I won the world sporting uh, <clears throat> as a junior three times. I won the U.S. Open and the Nationals three out of you know you were only a junior for four years. Then three out of four years both the US Open and the Nationals, but I never won the World test against the same people because Greg Wolf won it a couple of times, et cetera. So I was getting beat in FITAS because I didn't understand how to mount to the lead, okay? Uh, meaning inserting more lead in front of the bird and killing the bird quicker, using my gun mount to kill the bird, understanding more about my mount, you know? So right. those were just things I didn't know. And there's no question... You know that I learned those things kind of on my own and through trial and error and by watching or watching people that you know simply did something better than me right you yeah know, if, you know so the fundamentals though I don't think I've changed drastically, you know, for example Dan um you know and it, i if we had him on the on the podcast here with us, he would if I explained this to him the right way, he would agree with me if I didn't explain this to him the right way, he wouldn't agree with you. right? <laughs> if he, yeah. He just say, Hey Dan, can you do this? He's going to say, hell no. You know, yeah. but if you explain to him in the right context, I think he'll go, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, I learned from Dan, never be behind the target. Okay. And I was never behind the target in my shooting for, I don't know. So I'm coming up on 30 years of competition. Um, You know, I was never behind the target, definitely in the first 10 years, okay? Never behind the bird. And I was rarely behind the bird in the first 20 years, okay? Right, right. In the last 10 years, I start behind the bird a lot, okay? And the key is the speed of the gun and the speed of the bird, which is the thing that Dan has always harped on to me about being in control of the bird, being connected with the bird. That's what matters, right? So what yeah. I what i exactly
1: realized- where the gun is isn't as important as matching the speed.
0: Yeah. So the reason we were, I was taught not to be behind the target is because if you're behind the target, there's a higher probability that the speed of the barrel can be different than the speed of the bird because you have to catch up to it. Okay. So absolutely, in certain instances, I don't want to be behind the bird. Okay. In certain instances, though, for me. I get more control, more connected and match the speed better starting in the backside of the bird. Okay. So that's something that if I was standing on the range with Dan today and we were, if I was showing him what I'm doing, say, Hey Dan, let me explain, show you this. He would, there's no question. He would look over my shoulder and go, yeah, you're really in sync with the bird. That's fine. Okay. hundred percent. Actually, he goes that he would probably say, yeah, that looks better than if you stayed in front of this bird. Yeah. There's no question because I can feel it. I can feel the bird slow down. I'm matching its speed. The risk of being behind the bird is that if someone doesn't know what gun control is, then they can get out of control being too far in the back of the target. So yeah. I can understand the perspective of where I was taught from. And In general, when I start with a novice shooter, I still do the same thing today. I, I teach them to stay with the target, not start behind it. Okay? Right. Because I, I, and, think I think they'll get in less trouble. And,
1: and there's behind it, and then there's way behind it yeah and that's and then there's
0: it, but at the end of the day, I feel like as the shot is being triggered and you're delivering the shot, the gun speed you know, look, I spent five days with George Digweed this summer, two days in England. I went to, to I flew to England for two days just to shoot with him and watch over his shoulder to see what he's doing so that we can put this video together that him and I are doing together. Give away the video that we did, and then he has. You know, so him and I have a video that we have for sale, which compares our techniques. He has two videos. I spent five days looking over the guy's shoulder shooting thousands of shots, okay? Most of the time when the guy's gun goes off at the end, he's very much in sync with the bird, okay? It's very interesting to see the shots comparison video that him and I did together. It's done incredibly well with shot cam, nighttime shooting, flash targets, using a laser, A special laser that we had for the gun to show up great at night. Um, You can see what the guy does incredibly well. You can see what I do incredibly well because we compare them. We shoot the exact same shots. Compare them at the end of the shot. Same thing. His gun speed is not that much faster than mine. In some instances, slower. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, what is the you know the method? As he came from behind the bird. But the, the reason that it works is because the gun speed and the bird speed synchronize towards the end of the shot. There might be some instances where it looks fast to me, okay? But in general, it's, uh, it's not that different than the gun control that, that Dan would have you know, taught me. And George explains it you know, fairly well in a couple of instances. He said, look, so if you're, a little behind, if you're behind the bird – and the bird's 50 yards away, okay, you're talking about the difference here of, you know, he uses his hand and shows you. He's like, it's it's like five inches, okay? Yeah, yeah. You know, is the difference here between being in front of it and starting behind it, okay? So, right. you know, five inches of movement is going to make that much difference. You know, that's kind of one of his ways to explain it, you know, or, um, and I think that it goes back to using kind of, what works for you to a degree, finding how you evolve. To for me, my evolution of my technique from what Dan taught me, uh, I would say that I shoot, you know, pull away probably more than any other method, swing through and maintain lead. Okay, yep. probably as I'm probably as versed as in techniques as as anyone. Right? Sometimes that could be a problem if I've got too much to think about. I guess, but. I also feel in a lot of instances there's the right tool for the job, right? Right. So how did I learn those? How did I watch those? I watch people that do things better than me. You know, if I feel like if you don't have maintained lead in your game for fetas, you could you could have a problem, right? Sure. Feel like if you don't have some form of swing through in your game, you could have a problem on certain shots. You know, can you use a one-size- you know, fits all approach. Sure, I guess you can. You can use anything that you that you that you do well. I always mm-hmm. tell people this, right? You know, it's like if you watch something and you don't, if you have zero problems in your game and you don't miss anything uh, that you shouldn't miss, okay, then don't change anything, okay. <laughs> but if you miss something that you shouldn't and you have a trend of doing that, a bird that you don't execute as well as you should um you might want to try something different on that target yeah, yeah. exactly That's essentially how I got to where I am today yeah yeah
1: I mean I started with Dan maybe just six eight months earlier than you did I had kind of the same thing when he went to Pennsylvania like you did when he went to Texas it's like oh damn I'm on my own now you know and uh of course I'd still stay in touch with Dan I'd come see him every now and then and stuff but you know, the basics that he taught us have, have held up pretty strong. The game has changed. And we've kind of had to evolve with it. Remember, um gosh, I wish I could figure out the years that he he had the big revelation about the twenty-foot rule, how we were gonna match the speed of the target for twenty feet. And then that kind of evolved into matching the speed of the target until you feel connection and 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 all that kind of thing. Um the game is is if we've talked about on other podcasts for do and even go into too much detail on it, but the game has really changed right. and FITAS, which is obviously my passion. And, and you just were talking about, it, I think one of the reasons we had to do some things different to, to master that game is because that really wasn't Dan's game. I mean, no, he, he shot either, a little bit, never, but
0: he, he never taught me, you know, I guess yeah. not a criticism, you know, it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. And he didn't shoot much FITAS and the, I didn't really learn anything from him about.
1: Nah, no, no.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I figured that out on my own, you know, and you watch guys that could mountain fire the gun really well, like a Greg Wolf or, you know, as, uh, you know, Greg Wolf would have been, you know, my age, et cetera, as a peer that could, I could beat him every time in sporting, mm-hmm. not every time, but a lot more times than he was going to beat me, you know, and he would beat me more often in feet tests than I would beat him. There's a reason, Yeah. You know, you could watch somebody, uh, you know, even later years as the game changed. Okay. So Wendell Cherry is a big advocate of being in front of the bird, staying in front of the bird, and having a good gun mount, right? So if he would shoot a bird better than me, okay, I would watch that, okay, and try to build that into my game and learn more about my gun mount and learn more about my timing and learn more about my insertion to the front of the bird. Just because I simply can omit one of my shortcomings, you know, and try to adapt my game to fill that hole. So that's kind of how I added to my game is, you know, by watching, uh, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, when I switched to an over and under, we talk about the game changing and techniques changing, et cetera. When I switched to an over and under, it the game didn't change, but my equipment changed. Right. I could see around my gun extremely well on semi-auto one barrel um thin action you know you can you can pre-mount and keep your head in the gun on almost any trap or trap teal or steep riser and still see the bird below the barrel
1: 100
0: and it was at that point in time one of my strongest shots it is now probably still one of my strongest shots but i had a period when i switched to that gun that i really struggled and the guy that i that i think of has shot that style of target the best over the years going away duck trap double trap right is bill mcguire okay the guy you know in his peak of his prime of his shooting you know if you think you're going to beat that guy on a going away double trap teal, good luck okay yeah. um you know he shoot him really well didn't move the gun a lot see the bird coming you know And he would shoot that bird with a soft pre-mount where the gun's in his shoulder, but his head's out of the gun where he kind of lets the gun fall off of his face and kind of lets relaxes his shoulder a little bit. So on my DT-11, I could not see around the gun like I could on my semi-auto. And I, you know, basically in a very short period of time said, all right, I got to do something different. So I'm going to kind of mimic what uh, I'm going to mimic what Bill McGuire is doing and I had it pretty much dialed in, would shoot it pretty good in practice, you know, for the most part. But something was missing. Okay. And I just couldn't quite figure out what it was where I'd all of a sudden just lose it. Right. You feel like you got it. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're like. Next tournament,
1: is, you, you created it. Yeah, yeah.
0: One more pair and then missed the next two pairs. It's like, what the. You know. Yeah. You know, just killed. Like something's off. Right. But I couldn't figure out what it was. I was sitting at breakfast one time. at I was actually at the World Championship in England. I was talking to John Wooley, okay, who is very far in technique from Bill McGuire, okay, pretty far, but almost as far as they can come, right, in terms of methods and style. One guy is all pre-mounted. One guy likes to shoot mostly unmounted, Uh, you know, very different, okay, technique-wise, but I was explaining to him. You know, he's asked me. He his John Lee's question to me was, "How's your new gun coming?" I said, "Pretty damn good." I feel I'm like I feel like I shoot crossers better than I do with my auto. I feel like my trap and my quartering is is tougher, okay? Because I can't see. I said, "But I've been working on my soft mount, like Bill McGuire, and uh, on some steep stuff. If it's flat, I can see around the gun and be fine. But on the steep stuff, I'm working on the you know." Kind of mimicking Bill on those, and you know, I'm starting to get it figured out. I said, but something is just off a hair. You know, I haven't, you know, I don't know if it's my confidence or, you know, I feel like something is missing. And John said to me, he said, make sure your head's not moving too much if you when you're doing that. Okay, you know, he said just make sure your head's not moving. If you come out of that gun, he goes, make sure, you know, make sure you move the gun out of your face and don't move your head up too much. He goes because if you're bringing your head down at the same time you're bringing your gone up too much you know he goes that could be screwing up your your vision and i was like okay you know uh thanks you know it just kind of weird as eating breakfast it wasn't you know we're at a competition so i didn't have any chance to practice and uh you know a couple weeks later in in practice working on that there's no question right so i shoot a trap teal with my gun out of my face well because of mimicking bill mcguire and listening John woolly, okay, you know, so that's an example of how you know things evolve, yeah, things evolve, and being open enough to to do something sometimes a little bit different, right I mean I don't know I, my only other option was to do it the way I was doing it and keep missing
1: them right <laughs> yeah it's uh it, it changes in equipment change changes in the in style of target presentation, all that stuff can dictate you having to adapt. And, but yeah, I think what you just said is key. You can't be so dogmatic about things that, you know, this is the only way. Um, so that you got to be open to trying other things. To
0: Yeah. I, I think that, you know, you have to have some base, right? So when you get started, some fundamentals that you believe in, right? So I don't really want to start off a novice shooter and say, all right, what I need you to do is you're going to, you do a maintain lead on this bird you're going to do a swing through on this bird. you know yeah. you have to keep it at least till they get their feet under them and maybe say they can hit 80% yeah.
1: consistently try to get good at one thing first yeah
0: exactly with a with a you know you can have a little bit of tools but consider them simple tools that you know exactly when you want to use them and that's it you know yep. don't don't try to you know master the method of five different people because you become you know reasonably well at five of them and really well at none of them okay.
1: and, it ge- and it gives you the opportunity to overthink way yeah, too got, much on race day. To
0: think you got too much to think about so you got to be able to have a basis that you believe you can add to it from there as you feel competent and confident in what you're doing and then when you or if you consistently feel like you have a shortcoming right that you that you need to be better at, you know, and then that's obviously technical, but even you can get into the mental game and consider the same thing, right? Sure. I don't want to do the same thing. If something is not working and this is what I've been doing for a routine or a visualization, then sometimes you change a little bit, right? Or you, you, you watch somebody else. Um, you know, there's, again, in that space, there's a, there's a drastic variety of what people do from, sh- you know, shooting really slow, shooting really fast, you know, feeling like they're very calculated, looking like they're very instinctive. You know, it, uh, it might not be the exact answer for you, but if something doesn't work, you know, we, we got to try different things sometimes.
1: Yes. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to branch out on practice day to see what, how you to f- fix a hole in your game. Yep. All right, man. Well, um. You know, Dan, he and I talk about this every now and then and, you know, and how, how we kind of took what he gave us and it's pushed him. It's pushed him to make changes and do things better too in his teaching. And, um, the game just keeps moving on for sure. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I was talking to Dan the other day, not that long ago. And yeah, uh, he's, uh, still out there giving lessons and, uh, I'm extremely busy and, uh, you know, and it kind of goes back to what I said. I mean, there's, there's, there's many things that, that I do that if, I, if someone else said them to him and they didn't say that in the right way, he might say, That's bullshit. You can't do it. Yeah.
1: He dismisses you know, it. Right he's, away.
0: he's pretty, this is the way you do it. He's pretty black and white, right? And I think some of his success or a lot of his success as a coach probably came from that, right? Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what we said where you need some kind of a base. You know, so he said, this is what I need you to do. Then you do it over and over with repetition and you do it correctly over and over with repetition and you ingrain that and it be- gets to your subconscious faster because you shot it, you shot a lot, you've sh- done it the right way. You're very disciplined. He doesn't give you a lot of wiggle room for what's right and what's, you know, right. what's is the- right and what's wrong. This is what he wants you to do. Yeah. So now your subconscious, you know, gets programmed quicker because it's only doing one thing, right? So he's pretty black and white in that regard. But on the flip side, you know, he, he's, he, if you explain to him what, if I was to explain to him some of the things I'm doing today, I think he would agree with all of them. You know? Sure. Um, sure. I don't think there's anything. Uh, and the reason he would agree with all of them, because most of them are rooted in some basis Of what he taught me, right? Kill it where you see it the best. Be in sync with the bird. Match the bird's speed. Okay. Have control with the target. You know, be looking at the target. You know. Because if
1: you you can master the base technique, let's just, you know, whatever your base technique is. But if that'll take care of 80% of the birds let's get that squared away first before you yeah. and I think introduce that, a little too much information and a little too many things to, to think about.
0: Right. And I think that that your 80% number is fairly right. You know, you know, so if someone, if someone started fairly close to the bird and moved away from the bird, that probably works 80% of the time. Right? Sure. Well, okay. The other 20% of the time it'll work. It might just not work quite as well. Eighty percent will yeah. it'll cover that. Yeah. So I, I feel like eighty percent of like your eighty percent number is pretty accurate. I think any method will work pretty well for eighty percent of the birds, assuming you have some form of synchronization of the gun and the bird. Okay? Right. It goes back to that. No, no method works if there's not synchronization and correlation between the gun and the bird. Inherently, I think that's where a lot of people's flaws are. Meaning that if they're working with someone and they say, I'm using a maintain lead. I'm always in front of the bird. I'm always, you know, uh, never behind it. I, I don't want to open my lead up. I want to start with my lead. If they have struggles, sometimes it's not always, it's not the method. Okay. It's that they're not actually doing it well. Right. So they right. have, they have a lack of they have a lack of consistency with the gun and the bird, what the what the gun and the bird are doing together. If someone is starting closer to the bird and moving off of the bird to establish their lead, again, sometimes it's not the method, it's the consistency that they so have. The
1: implementation. The bird.
0: Yeah. So I think 80% is a good number that you could probably use any method and do well with 80% of the birds. The other 20% you'll hit But there might be a better way for you, okay? You know, that gets a little bit tricky, et cetera, finding what that is or who's going to teach you that, you know, but I think that that's where the base part comes in. But then that's where understanding, it's no different than, you know, whether it's, again, we're talking technical there, but you have to have some form of, you know, some form of willingness to recognize your shortcoming to to fill that gap you know and I'm a firm believer in the number one thing that you do is you find who is better at that shot than you okay so I've mentioned multiple names of people on here that I've learned things from over the years by watching and looking okay and some of those people, I never even talked about it with them, but I just watched them. I never told Bill McGuire that I'm going to use your method to learn to shoot trap deal, but I shot with him. I never told Wendell Cherry when I watched his gun mount, when he was had a you know shooting feet test with me and mounting to the lead and killing a bird that I'm going to, 15 years ago or 20 years ago, that I'm going to add that in my game. But I realized he shot a certain shot better than I did. So I... So I I took that note home with me, right? Sure. Um all the way to spending 5 days this past summer with George Digweed. You know, George Digweed in my opinion is the classic example that the guy, that's why I think the content that we've put out is is very useful both the mental stuff and the technical stuff. He's a classic example that no one's really understood what he's done. Okay. People's dis you know what people have always said, people are like my peers, okay? And your peers will, you know what people have said about George Digweed of why he's so good? Oh, he's a you know freak of nature. The guy's just unbelievably talented, he's this, he's that, you know, he's you know, grew up doing it, you know, all all of the, all of the basically the problem with all of those answers is no one can be you number one, it's a good excuse for why he's better than you, okay? <laughs>
1: yeah you can't that's, you can't overcome that that's the right? number
0: one that's the number one <laughs> reason why people say that okay because it's easier to say that than saying the guy beat you <laughs> for the last 30 years okay and still uh, have to
1: do it still yeah right
0: uh I don't accept that answer though okay? me either so I don't believe that okay there's something the guy is doing better than everyone else okay and that's partly what we you know tried to work on with some of these videos and kind of I spent time to try to get that out. And there's things I'm going to do different in 2024 than I did in the last 30 years. Okay. And I guarantee you in the next 10 years, I'm going to be better than I was in the last 10. Okay. You know, And some of that is from listening to the guy and how he talks and what he says. Okay. And maybe adding some things in my planning or my routine or changing even, you know, some things in my form. Okay. You know, he said some things to me. He's, you know, I asked George Dewey, I said, where this is completely different than anything I've ever thought. Okay. And I've been doing this a long time. Okay. I said, George, when you set up your feet, where's your weight? Okay. Um, he goes, on my back foot. Okay. So I go, all right. Well, to be honest with you, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that they start <laughs> with their weight on their back foot. Okay. So now I'm not going to instantly go out and put all my weight on my back foot. Okay. Because that's not what I've done. But I'm also not dumb enough, okay to not listen not think about what the what the guy just said um, you know to add that into my game somehow, okay you know to uh, to make my form better. I've always struggled personally I've struggled with my stance and my form and my gun mount in some capacity my whole shooting career because when I was a kid, I didn't really learn a certain way to stand, et cetera so I've basically worked that out through the years, but it's always a, always been something that I've had to get better at. I still start off the season worrying about where my weight is and standing. And, you know, then I see a picture of myself in the middle of the season. I'm, got the gun mounted too low on my shoulder and I'm leaning too far forward. Okay, well, if if the guy has something to say that I think is you know probably valuable, I don't need it take every single piece of what he said, but I'm not going to throw it away and, and discount it, you know? So I think that's the, that simple, that simple part is the statement that I would give people is, you know, find your weakness, find someone who does that better. Okay. Study that one little part. Well, people invest a lot of time and energy into our sport, right? You yeah, know?
1: Crazy <laughs> yeah. Crazy amounts. Yeah.
0: Any amounts of time and ener- time, energy, et cetera. So, a little bit of education and finding one little piece, you know, can, can definitely be valuable, right? You know, if you always missed a certain shot, then find the guy or the method that works the best on that shot and add that into your game. You know, don't, you don't have to change your, your whole method. If you're a novice, I'm also advising you not to learn four methods at one time, you know, exactly learn the exactly. one,
1: And I, and I'm, I'm just afraid that, uh, that's what happens all too often.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because it's a, it's a, you know, right now, look at the year that Brandon Powell had last year. Right. You know, so now everybody wants to, come, everybody wants to come from behind the target.
1: Every lesson starts off. What do you think about from coming from the back edge? Right. So, so, you know,
0: that there's, there's a use for it. Okay. And if that's what the person wanted to do and that was their base approach, fine. I'm not going to tell them it's not possible you know the the thing that that is always you know you have to. i personally believe if you want to have credibility in what you're talking about the first thing you can't do is is come out and say that something that works and is proven to work and is proven to work really well doesn't work
1: okay? exactly
0: that's that's
1: that's a good that's way to be credible in my opinion quick way to look like an idiot right yeah.
0: so you just have to put it in the right context you have to put it in the understanding that your, your mental game is partly contingent upon how strong your subconscious is, okay? And how often and repetitively you do the same thing over and over correctly, okay, is going to determine how strong, how, how quickly your, your subconscious develops strongly, you know? So a, uh, the book, The Talent Code, the, that book, The Talent Code uh, by Daniel Coyne, you know, the guy used the analogy, if you do the same thing over and over it's like driving your truck or your tractor through a muddy field on the same tracks. Well, the tracks get deeper and deeper and deeper and eventually when the summer comes and the, you know, the spring mud hardens, you're stuck in the tracks, right? So he uses that analogy that under pressure, okay, under pressure we can deviate and our brain can make bad decisions and do the things we didn't want to happen. But the more you've driven in the same tracks, you know, as the analogy, the more you're stuck there. So you're more likely to just do do what you know. You know, and I yeah. think that analogy holds true with if we're talking about variations in technique and methods. And, you know, so is there a place? Yeah. Is there a risk? Yeah. But that's, mm-hmm. that's anything in life, right? Sure.
1: Sure. So, Anthony, that's a um, big mouthful. A lot for people to chew on there about technique. And I, I think we could be doing a big service to a lot of up and coming shooters. If they will understand that they really kind of need to not only say master, but at least get control of one method before they try several different things.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. Go back to what I said earlier. You know, I, I, I didn't come from behind the bird for the first 15 years, 10 years anyway, of my shooting for sure. definitely the first 10 years. I didn't even consider it because I just did what my coach told me to do. <laughs> so I started to add things to my game when I felt like I could I had a shortcoming on that shot relative to my peers or relative to what I felt like I could do. So I think that's a good way to, you know, get, yeah. get a good get a good base in your game. I don't care what it is. Okay. Get a good base on your game. I have people come to me that have had 20 years of lessons with somebody somebody different and a different method than I use. And I look at their game all the time and go, Man, the guy looks freaking awesome. Okay. But you can't hit a quarter in bird worth a damn. You know, right. so we're going to teach him what to do here. You know, and if if I teach him two shots and he adds that to his game, great. You know, puts, wow. puts
1: five, six birds on his score on the average round. Yeah.
0: I don't care what it is. Get good at something. We'll, we'll kind of work the other stuff in.
1: All right, man. Uh, we'll put in, uh, in the video, we'll add in, uh, contact info, the new website, sure. uh, for people to get in touch with you. And we really, I really enjoy doing this buddy. I'd like to do it some more. Matter of fact, uh, folks look for a follow on video to come out or that uh, podcast to come out shortly about, uh, another subject with Anthony we'll be talking about soon. All right, everybody take care, Anthony, and I'll talk to you later, bud. Thanks Will. Thanks for joining us.
0: Remember to subscribe on YouTube and Spotify to the Clay Lab. That way you never miss an episode. We'll catch you here next time on the Fennel Podcast.